0: Dig it! Uh, hello, and welcome to something new on the Macho Movie Man podcast. It's not a regular episode. It is something I like to call the Saturday Rundown, which will be a shorter show, uh, that will obviously come out on Saturdays, uh, where I'll have a few movies to review. I won't go into them in detail like I do on Tuesdays with the main movie of the week, uh... And it's going to be four films that I'm going to be reviewing that I've all seen within the last week. Uh, And then I'll have a little bit of movie news as well, but not a lot of movie news because there's not a lot of big movie news coming out right now uh, because of the pandemic, so on and so forth. But there have been one or two interesting things that uh, I'd like to have a quick word about. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to start off our first review ever on the Saturday Rundown. Uh, It's going to be a movie called Slacks. Uh, It's a 20... It was made in 2020, but it's being released in 2021. Slacks is a Canadian horror movie about a a pair of murderous jeans. Yep, it's a movie about killer pants. Just when you think they could not make something in a movie out to be a a uh, psychotic serial killing murderer they make a killer jeans movie uh so yeah so the premise is ridiculous uh but there's more to this movie than just killer pants you know this movie is set in this retail shop uh after hours it's closed with night but all the employees are there because they have this big unveiling the following morning of their new collection involving these jeans that when you put them on they automatically adjust to your body size they're called um i think they're called super shapers you know they've like ss on like their logo is an ss which automatically like who who market who who is the marketing team behind that who looked at that and was like yeah no having having an ss symbol on your uh, on the R C R genes is not going to cause any offense even beyond the fact that they're going to kill people uh i hope some, uh to quote the simpsons i hope someone got fired for that blunder so yeah and basically the genes come alive they start killing the employees the new the new girl who's just gotten a job there uh wants to try and stop them wants to try and make sure they don't get out tries to find out why they're killing people but the shop the manager of the shop who is such a dickhead in this movie like absolute dickhead and like a fun to watch dickhead because of how much dickheadery he gets up to uh He doesn't care about the fact that his staff are being murdered one by one. He only cares about his promotion. And in that, you see what this movie is really about. While its premise is silly and over-the-top and ridiculous and borderline stupid, uh, it's more, like I said, it's more than just killer pants. It's a thorough message about the bullshit behind corporate retail you know like anyone who's ever worked in retail will know like there's always someone there's always some employer who is just or a boss or someone higher up than you who is so intense about stuff that doesn't really matter within the job uh and that's put up here and also just the corporate the fakeness of uh, corporate retail in so far as, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's fair trade, it's this, it's that, when in reality it's not, you know? So it's very much, and it's also, it also touches on the ethics of the fashion industry and the ethics of consumerism and the ethics of capitalism. And there's a very ethics-based uh, thread throughout this whole film of, like, Yes, it's wrong, and are we falling for the bullshit or so on and so forth uh it does get a li- it does fall a little bit into sort of i'm not gonna say cliche, but it kind of falls into the formula you kind of expect from a movie like this about towards the third act. It falls into a mold a mold of very much what you would expect from a serial killer slasher type film of any kind uh, so, it, so it does dip a little bit in the third act but it's message is still good it has some really great kills a lot of gore like this movie it, it likes it's blood uh, the performances are fine like there's nothing earth shattering in terms of the acting the guy who plays Craig the manager is a great dickhead like he's really good in the role uh direction is fine uh it's a movie it's a movie that kind of does a fair bit with its premise but i don't think it goes the full way maybe it goes maybe 80% with the possibilities that it could have done uh so i don't think it's anything mind blowing it's nothing it doesn't change the horror genre it doesn't change the slasher genre But it's a fun little movie that I would recommend. You know, I'd say it's kind of 7, 8 out of 10. Uh, Maybe I'll look back on it later down the line, maybe a little harsher. But it's fun, you know. It's a fun movie and I have a soft spot for anything that's fun and weird. And this is fun and weird. Uh, Speaking of weird, uh, the second movie I want to talk about was called Welcome to the Dollhouse. This was a nineteen ninety-five coming of age film, uh, starring a lead actress by the name of Heather Matarazzo. And it's pretty much that. It's a very indie it's a very indie film, sort of independent. There's no huge names. The only other person in the movie who I would know of is Eric Mabus Malbus. I've never been able to pronounce his name properly, but he's from Ugly Betty. So there's some nostalgia for that. Uh, And yeah, it's basically a coming-of-age story about a girl who is bullied from pretty much everyone in her life, from her classmates to her family to just the world in general towards her. And it's basically her going through these daily struggles, you know? It's it's almost like a live-action version of... Meg from Family Guy, but with a more bleak sense of humor, not so much over the top like family guy uh it's by far and away the cruelest coming of age film I think I've ever seen, like it is pitch black comedy uh you know there's these people are just literally mean to her for no other reason other than they think she's ugly and yeah, so it's it's very easy to sympathize with this main character, Don Weiner, uh, because you know she's thirteen, she's getting bullied, her parents don't really care, the mother is horrendous to her, she's very much in the shadow of her younger sister, and I won't give anything away, but there's certain moments in this film that have that are real dark. Humour, gutbusters, you know, that kind of laugh where you're just kind of... It's a mixture of laughing and then just, oh, God, with the horror of the situation. Uh, You know, and she falls in love with a member of her older brother's band. uh, Despite the fact that he is much older. So there's a lot of of coming-of-age cliches, in a sense. You know, like, there's the bully who... Is bullying her but he also kind of likes her and all these different relationships and parent issues and and so on and so forth but the thing is it none of it's ever fully put to bed in a sense like it is a movie that doesn't fully care about resolution in a way but not in a way that is kind of insulting it's a way that makes it feel realistic like things happen and there's no easy easy solutions and sometimes you just have to put up with the shit that you're dealt with uh and that's pretty much what this movie is about it's like the cruelty of growing up and the fact that you can't really change anything about it and things are just gonna happen and you're just gonna have to get through them so it's not so it is very it's off kilter i think is the word i would use but uh and that's another film that I would highly recommend. Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's from nineteen ninety-five. I don't I don't think it's on any of the streaming sites, but if you look online you can find it. One film that is on a streaming site is Veronica and It's on Disney Plus, uh within the Disney star the star section. But uh Veronica and it's kind of an Irish film. Like it's set in Ireland in the nineties. Although it's from a really weird, it's a really strange combination of things, you know. It's this pre-Celtic Tiger, 90s Ireland setting and story with a uh, Cate Blanchett, so like world famous actress. Jerry Bruckheimer, like one of Hollywood's biggest producers at that, well, 2003, yeah, he's still big. Uh, And Joel Schumacher, the guy behind The Lost Boys, and, unfortunately, Batman and Robin. So, it just feels like four weird elements coming together to make a movie that is quite low-key. Like, in Joel Schumacher films, there's always some form of, like, really homoerotic elements in certain ways. Like, even in Lost Boys, you know, within the first 20 minutes, there's a shirtless guy on a beach wearing purple and playing saxophone uh in batman and robin there's bat nipples and bat butt shots and just there's a lot of homoerotic stuff in joel schumacher's films i i haven't seen enough of them i haven't seen all of them so maybe it's not in all of the films but whenever i think joel schumacher i do kind of think okay there's gonna be something slightly gay in certain shots or something but here it's played utterly straight like low-key straight um it's really a one-woman show like the movie doesn't really have anything else going on with it but beyond Kate Blanchett just being awesome in this movie like it's about an irish reporter based on a true story in fact an Irish reporter called Veronica Gearin who in the nineties uh went head to head with the drug cartels in Dublin, uh and unfortunately paid the price. Uh it's a story that like I knew about because uh it's local. it's it's kind of local enough news for me. Like any of you who don't know, I'm from Dublin and uh, there's a lot of locations in this film that I, obviously I'd know and like it's close enough to home, you know, like, where she was murdered isn't too far away from where I live, it's still general area in a sense, like, I'm from Klindorken and, you know, as she was murdered in real life, uh, kind of almost on the Clindauken ta- uh, to Tala border, uh, you know, you know, Klindorken is, okay, Tala, once you get to Talla, you know, you kind of, that's where civilization ends for a while, but, um, uh Yeah so it's something that like I obviously it was before my time but it's something that I knew about so there is that weird feeling of you're watching a movie and there's places that you know pop up on screen and I will always mark out seeing Ireland on screen in anything even if it's like a film made in Ireland but especially but in here and especially because like it's a big Hollywood name like Cate Blanchett at Nace Court, Nace Courthouse. Like, how is that not surreal? Uh, And yeah, so, like, Cate Blanchett, like, carries pretty much the whole film. Gerald, Gerald McSorley? I I think that's his name. Uh, He plays John Gilligan, you know, real, based on a real-life person, obviously. And he's fine in the movie, it's just... I can't buy him as this vicious, dangerous criminal because i kind of just see him as father totem just from the father ted christmas special and that's something for a lot of uh people who are in father ted i can only see them as that father ted character now even if i'm watching the snapper and it's like you know georgie burgess i will just see pat pat mustard you know uh so yeah so it's kind of hard to really see him as this drug baron who's like got all this money and you're like think and it's like oh he got this money from selling drugs i'm like no we got this money because he stole a golden cleric but uh yeah so like i said it's a one-woman show but Kate blanchett is phenomenal in this movie like this is one of our lesser known roles and the fact that this is one of our lesser known roles that she wasn't really given much fanfare for shows that, like, she is just an incredible talent, and it's one of the best Irish accents I've ever seen from a non-Irish person. Like, it's... Like, her Irish accent is so good in this that I kind of forgot that it was an accent after a little while. You know, she just... Really, she got it, because, you know, the history of Hollywood cinema is just littered with terrible, awful, horrendous Irish accents i could make a list of shite accents in movies uh you know even that like that is always been an issue you know whether it's julia roberts in uh michael collins tommy lee jones in blown away tom cruise and far away uh for some reason jamie dornan in while Mountain Tyne, despite the fact that he is fucking Irish, well, he's from Northern Ireland, but he's from this goddamn country. Why is his accent so bad? Uh, yes, uh, oh, and Sean Connery and the Untouchables, it, the list goes on and on, but this is one of the few Irish accents I've seen from a non Irish actor where I'm just like, wow, that's really fucking good uh so yeah i'd say check it out maybe if you're into crime movies like crime movies aren't usually my cup of tea like i'll watch them but they're not really not really ones i would get super pumped for like or i'd I'd go out of my way to see yeah we would need to have like a interesting premise or like an actor that i like in it or a director that i like like if it's a scorsese crime film obviously i will watch because it's scorsese for god's sakes but other than that uh yeah maybe give it a watch maybe not it's up to you it's it's not something you have to go out of your way to see but i think it is it's a nice it's a it's a it's not a nice movie because like it's it's sad uh and it gets a little cheesy at the end uh well it's cheesy for like irish audiences maybe if you're american or from the uk and you don't really understand why it's cheesy for us then you might like the ending of the movie but uh oh an, an an element of the end of the movie uh other than that you know it will kind of make a few people cringe uh but yeah so watch it if you want if you're into crime movies i'd recommend it it's on it's on uh star on disney plus uh it's it's a decent movie you know uh and then the fourth and final movie is uh Kiki's Delivery Service uh which is a Studio Ghibli film from the late 80s uh first off i'm not a huge anime guy like i've tried a couple times to get into anime and i just i haven't been able to uh and and i know for, and i know more than enough uh anime fans in my life uh, to where I will I would genuinely, I did genuinely try for them and for myself, uh, but that was sort of TV show-wise, uh, anime films, I'm, I have a better grasp of, uh, I love, uh, Studio Ghibli, any of the films I've seen from them have been phenomenal so far, you know, and I've seen kind of the big hitters, like Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, um, the The Wind Rises, uh, what else um, my neighbor totoro uh and this is another one kiki's delivery service uh this is such a lovely movie you know uh and yeah it's one of those movies where i'm like yeah i'm 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 glad that i'm slowly expanding into my uh myself into anime films because this is a really good area to be in uh it's about a 13 year old witch who by tradition uh of her family and just of witch culture apparently uh has to go live by herself for a year uh along with her cat who was voiced by the late great phil hartman uh and it it's basically about her becoming independent and living in this lovely little city uh by the sea and starting up a delivery service and kind of finding her purpose and finding, you know, what her s- skills are and what she brings to the world as as a person. You know, it's, it's a story about purpose. And it's really lovely. Like, the animation holds up even after 30 years. You know, lovely old-school 2D drawing. Uh, you know, the voice cast is nice. Um, The story is quite nice as well. Like, it's a story that has its own relaxing pace like it's never moving too quickly but it's never moving too slowly uh it's a short it's it's not a long film like it's barely over an hour not much long, over an hour uh under under 90 minutes obviously but um so it's uh hmm. like i said it's a movie that um dares to go at its own pace you know it's not worried about what it's not worried about anything else it, it tells its story the way it wants to tell it uh you know the characters are all likable you know it's it's a very it's it's like a warm blanket kind of movie it's a movie that makes you feel feels make you feel warm it's all and you know you could wrap up a cold winter evening and just watch it and you'd have a nice time you know like, if you're in for a whole, if you're, if you want wholesome entertainment that can entertain you as an adult, entertain entertain children, entertain families, you know, you know, you, you look no further than Studio Ghibli, like, the, like, the work they've been doing for decades, this is Hayao Miyazaki who directed it, you know, you know, like, that, he, he never made a bad film, uh, yeah, so again, obviously, of course, i N- n- recommend uh, Kiki's delivery service you know how can I not recommend the Studio Ghibli film they are they, they are up there with Pixar and Disney as you know the god tier of uh animated animated features at times maybe even more so than Disney animation you know it's Studio Ghibli and Pixar are just like god tier animation but um yeah, that's pretty much it for uh, the movie reviews. Like I said, this would be a shorter episode. I'm just going to go into the movie news section. And like I said, there isn't much, but um, there's, uh, there's only two stories I really want to talk about. Uh, the first one is they announced the cast for the Obi-Wan Disney Plus series, which is meant to start filming in April, which is officially this month now. God, time is flying so fast. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this, you know? I mean, obviously, I I love, love, fucking love Star Wars. And Obi-Wan is maybe my favourite character in, like, all of Star Wars. So, I'm really excited. And, obviously, I love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was one of the saving graces of the prequels, to the point where even people who hate the prequels will give uh, Ewan McGregor his props. He absolutely knock those films out of the park, out of the stadium, out of the park, out of the country, out of the atmosphere. Um Yeah, so obviously I want to see his character get more screen time. I want to see what they can do with Obi-Wan at this point in his story where he's on Tatooine uh, looking out for Luke from from afar. Uh, we've you can tell that Luke is going to be a, an element of the show because they've brought back Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. He, you know, a very, very young Joel Edgerton played Uncle Owen in the prequels and now he's coming back. And I'm excited about that because, you know, I feel like you could have some very interesting uh, exchanges between Obi-Wan and Uncle Owen because of, you know... That whole business, because you know, at some point, you know, you have to go from, you know, the Uncle Owen who got handed Luke by as a baby to the Uncle Owen who doesn't want Luke to ever leave the farm because he's too worried about Luke turning into Vader. So I want to see how that progression happens for him as a character and how he plays off Obi Wan, who knows that someday Luke will. Follow in his father's footsteps and be a Jedi, even if Luke Owen doesn't want that. Uh some interesting uh additions. Uh Kamal Nunjani, who I'm a fan of. Uh he is like Kamal Nujani Kamal Kamal Nunjani, sorry. I'm butchering his name. I'm just gonna call him Kamal. Uh him in a Star Wars film, automatically I just think he's gonna be playing a weird alien. Especially because it's Tatooine, and like there's a bunch of weird aliens walking around Tatooine, whether it be Mos Eisley or uh, whatever. Uh, so I feel like he's definitely going to be playing a comedic, weird alien type, and I look forward to that. Uh, you also have a couple actors from Game of Thrones. Um, Han from Fast and Furious is there, which is odd in a sense. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it uh i I don't see Liam Neeson on the casting, but I'd be shocked i'd i'd be i'd be annoyed if he's not to be honest in the show because I just think now is a perfect time to have uh Qui-Gon Jinn come back uh Obviously, the character is dead at this point, but uh, George Lucas promised us when Revenge of the Sith came out that we would, a learn why Anakin is called Darth Vader. He blew balled us on that, uh, and he would also tell us said we would find out how Force ghosts work. You know how does someone come back as a Force ghost? We find out how that works. Uh, he blew balled us on that as well, big time, because he just it just was like yo, it know, was like oh Qui-Gon Jin, do this he has come back he has and it's like you're never told how uh he's come back and we never see him coming back and I feel like uh the point in time where Obi-Wan is in the story at this point when the show is happening I feel it'd be a perfect time to bring Qui-Gon back to have a discussion with Obi-Wan about you know obi-wan failing anakin as a mentor as a friend and how that affects him and how that affects qui-gon's feelings towards obi-wan because obi-wan kept his promise but in the fact that he trained anakin but he couldn't keep anakin from falling to the dark side so i feel like that would be a really cool scene that would just be yeah like just awesome in a way and also be a lovely mirror to Luke and Yoda's scene from The Last Jedi uh so yeah that's pretty much it for the Obi-Wan casting news I just wanted to talk about it because I kind of wanted to talk about Star Wars for a little bit because I haven't done that on this podcast yet maybe I will again at some point you know uh there's a lot of things I like to talk about uh, and then the other one is news that just broke yesterday. Um, the fact that we are getting a knives two sequels to the twenty nineteen film Knives Out, uh which was whopper, you know, like Knives Out was a great film. Ryan Johnson, uh you know, did a great job with that film, and uh, we're getting two sequels to them. Both are going to be on Netflix, which is very interesting. This is the first time I can recall where a theatrical a a theatrically released film is going to have sequels that are Netflix exclusive uh, unless Netflix decide to put them out in cinemas you know if cinemas are still around by the time we get knives out 2 I hope I really really hope they are oh please god but um yeah I'm I'm looking forward to any knives out sequels I want to see where they take the character of uh, Benoit Blanc because I think every the Thronby's are kind of, that story is finished in a way. Like, I, part of me isn't sure if I'd want to return to uh, the same story as the first one. You know, like, I feel like those characters in the Drysdale family have run their course. Uh, even the character of, like, Martha, I think she's run her course as well. So I feel I feel like they'll, they'll probably go like an Ag- Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot route of, you know, Daniel Craig is going to be the main character in these films, but the cast and plot will tra- change from film to film around him. Like, he'll go off and solve another crime and another crime, and this is going to be, you know, Knives Out, but it's just the Benoit Blanc, you know, adventures. Uh so yeah, so that's pretty much it. Just me saying, hey, Knives Out news. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be one news. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's a uh, yeah. We're coming up on half an hour now, so it is a much shorter episode than usual. Uh, because obviously I'm not going in depth about box office breakdowns or fun facts about pre production and post production and step by step through all the films. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you may see reviews for some of these films coming soon. Uh, and until next time, uh, this has been the Saturday rundown on the Macho Ma- on the Macho Movie Man podcast. Thank you all for listening, and uh, I will be back on Tuesday. Uh, I'm I have not finalized what the film of next week will be but, or if there will be a guest on, uh, but I will get on that soon, and, uh, you'll know when I release the episode what it'll be, uh, but until then, thank you, and goodbye, thank you for listening, and I will see you guys soon.